Welcome to the Barrels Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, great to be back with you guys again. Uh, very excited about today's podcast because I'm here with Dr. Kate Haker, Dr. Catherine Haker, uh, my business partner, but also um, a, uh, a doctor at uh, Cedars uh, in West Hollywood. West Hollywood, right? And um, Kate has obviously been uh, on the front line of this this, this pandemic and the, and the COVID situation since day one. Obviously, seeing a lot of things firsthand uh, from when the, the cases very first started happening to obviously the, the worst parts of the pandemic to, to the vaccine situation we're in now. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting her perspective on this thing. Um, and I, I want to start, Kate, with basically where are we right now with the pandemic, with the vaccine? Uh, what the hell's happening here? <laughs> well, L.A. is doing really well. All of a sudden, over the last month, the you numbers, mean in terms of like no, overall numbers, cases yeah. have fallen. I think LA County maxed out at about 15,000 cases a day. And yesterday we were at 1,260. So it's down by oh, wow. over 90% in oh, wow. six weeks. And the hospital admissions are reflecting that as well. I think Cedars topped out um, at about 280 patients in the hospital with COVID and we're down around 30 now. So it looks so, like it's almost over, at least this right. round. So what what is the reason for that? Because it can't just it's obviously not the vaccine or it can't just be the vaccine because relatively few people have received it. Um, and now obviously the way that a coronavirus behaves, as I understand it, is that, you know, it does operate in these kind of waves. It's an initial spike and then it goes down and it always goes back up in the wintertime, Christmas time, and then it always comes back down again. How much of this is the way that the coronavirus behaves and how much of it has been like the action we've taken? I don't, I don't think anybody knows. I think it's been surprising to most people how rapidly it's come down. And it's probably, you know, obviously people are have been encouraged to be more responsible about their behavior. I think there was a big, uh, the big spike that we saw was after Thanksgiving and people were probably being a little lax about social distancing and masking and whatnot. But also vulnerable populations in California have largely been vaccinated now, the elderly and the healthcare community, which uh, right. isn't tracked in terms of uh, its exposure or its risk to the general public, but I think it was probably a lot greater than reported. A lot of people, you know, were probably getting sick in healthcare facilities from other patients or for, mm. from healthcare workers. And so it, once healthcare workers were vaccinated, the numbers really started coming down. Right. That's interesting. And to date uh, in, in LA, um, which vaccine is going out? Both vaccines are going out now? There's the, the Pfizer, Pfizer and, the- and the Moderna. They're, they're very similar. The Pfizer is uh, a little harder to deal with. It has to be kept at very cold temperatures. So basically, mm. major institutions like Cedars, UCLA, Kaiser, you know, the facilities that have the ability to store it have been getting primarily the Pfizer vaccine and the, the sort of public access sites like Dodger Stadium and Disneyland have been using the Moderna vaccine because it's just a little less tweaky. Now, we've been hearing that at the end of the day, like a lot of vaccines are being like thrown out because they can't be used, which is obviously hugely frustrating. Is that just the Pfizer one because of the temperature thing or is that both of them? Or You know, I think that happened rarely. It wasn't a lot of vaccines. I think you know, there's one case of 15 vaccines that were dis- discarded out of you know hundreds of thousands that California has received. I think, you know, they're being a lot more careful about about not thawing them out, they, they generally process them in batches of ten, and right. um, and just not over processing. I think the sites had initially expected people to show up more than they did. People signed up for vaccinations and didn't show, and so I think um, that's not really happening so much anymore. But in general, why why do you think the the vaccination process 
in LA has been so slow and disorganized, you know, compared to the rest of the planet, it seems. I think California in general has a public, you know, issues with organization of its public health. Um, part of that is just the nature of California and how rapidly it's grown. Part of it is the population here. There are a lot of people who are, you know, come to California, a lot of immigrants coming in, a lot of sort of undocumented people. It's, it's hard for government officials to really even know who is in the state. Um, but they it, have, it's they disorganized. have to take some accountability here. Yeah, I think you know the main, the main the the thing that bothers me most about the disorganization of all states, but California in particular, is that these vaccines went into phase three trials in the early summer, really in July, and everybody knew they were coming, and they did nothing to prepare. You know, right? The state really should have had a database, had everybody registered, knew who was going first, had made all those decisions ahead of time, right? So and they were ready to roll it out, and and, and they that, really just didn't. That that is so frustrating, like as a small business to hear, because we are being held we are being kept closed on the premise that well when everyone gets vaccinated everything's going to be okay and then if you're you're then not being organized enough to get these vaccines out quickly then you know effectively you are you know destroying a lot of small businesses because you weren't organized enough to 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 get the vaccine out so you know i think it's it's particularly hard for a lot of a lot of people who are in you know who have small businesses you know a number of restaurants around us have now gone and gone forever. And I know a bunch of gyms that have gone out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure a ton of small business at this point. It's been a year. I mean, it's been a year. Yeah, well, the, the other so, thing to remember, too, is is kids have been out of school for a year. Right. And, you know, educators will tell you that over the summertime, kids lose about 25% of what they learned during the school year. Right. And kids have now been out for a whole year. And there are a lot of kids who have literally been out. They haven't logged on at all. And so when they go back to school, they're really going to be two years behind. Oh, my God. And it's just, it's it's really sad. It's, really it's, sad. God, it, it, the, the long-term, you know, ramifications of losing two years of your education are going to be pretty significant for those kids. And at what at what point do the do the do you think once the teachers get vaccinated, the schools will reopen? Or what's well, the, the teachers the there? teachers are holding out. You know, they they want to be vaccinated before they go back, even though the public health guidelines don't you know recommend that they do that, and that the schools are relatively safe. And schools in a lot of states have opened and a lot of private schools are open and they're not really having any problem. But it's a, it's a problem with the fact that the school districts and the, you know, the government has to negotiate with the teachers union and the teachers union just isn't going to budge on that. And the reality is now, you know, even if they were going to start vaccinating teachers tomorrow, the, it would take a month probably to get them all vaccinated. And that's a good five weeks before you develop adequate immunity after you're vaccinated. And, um, you know, by that point, it's basically the end of the school year. So if they really are going to hold out for, you know, not go back until they're vaccinated, then the school year is basically over. Right. And how much of that do you think is, you know, the teachers are afraid to go back to work because of the, the fear that's kind of been put in them throughout this whole process? I mean, how, how, how valid are their concerns about going back to work? I mean, is it? Well, I mean, they're as valid as anybody else's concerns about going back to work. So right. it's just an, an issue of what really is considered an essential employee. You know, every clerk in a grocery store is expected to be at work, you know. Right. In a hospital, every transporter has to be there. They're making minimum wage. They're essential workers. They have to go to work. And somehow the teachers think that, that, yeah. that doesn't apply to them. It's, it's crazy that yeah. whole kind of like, it's, it's fine for this person to go to work, but I shouldn't have to kind of like right. thinking of this whole thing. It really is. Very, very strange. Um, so based on, you know, everything you know right now, based on what you're seeing at the hospital um, and, the, and the, the, the decline in numbers that you're seeing, when do you think, for example, Ferris Athletic Club will be able to open again? What's your... Well, I mean, it's, it's still that tier system in California. Which so is nonsense, but yeah. It, it's, it's, 
it's nonsense because it's very extreme. I mean, the numbers have to be very, very low. But I think the number is, if we get down below seven uh, cases per 100,000 people in Los Angeles County per day, we can open at 25%, and we're currently at 12. So we don't have that much farther to go before we can reopen at 25% capacity. And for us, that's okay, because we're such a because big facility. Because we have a big building, yeah. Yeah, for restaurants, that's another issue. Right, because the margins, I mean, this is... I'm sure everyone does understand this, but the margins are so small when you have a, a small business that, if you, particularly in restaurants, you know the, the margins are so small, and to only be able to operate at 25 percent is hugely dam- mm-hmm. damaging to a, to a business like that. Uh, I mean, like I said, luckily we we have a big facility and we are a class based um, gym, so it's not like a kind of like global gym where you have one like you know 500 people in the gym at the same time kind of deal it's like we can be very careful about like how many people we have in the building and still run a very and spacing and social distancing exactly we can run a very safe and successful operation Uh, and with that in mind kate like um how do you think things are going to change when we reopen because remember before we before we were shut down we we had a very kind of safe operation with the way that we were checking people in and the 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 sanitization the cleaning protocols we had and the uv cleaning and the social distancing and all that kind of stuff do you think it's going to go back to that or is it going to be different or well it's certainly going to go back to that until everybody has an opportunity to be vaccinated and the chances are for younger people you know most of our our client base are not going to be offered vaccines until june or july so at least until then for the majority of our classes, we're going to have to go back to that same, you know, the same protocols we were using before we moved outdoors. Uh, with the caveat that there are a lot of people in the gym who have been vaccinated and we may be able to offer classes for people who have been, been vaccinated that are more sort of our normal, um, you know, less strict. Let's so you, me- you remember, you remember when, when before we got shut down, you know, in the original guidelines, um, for gyms, you know, with respect to training at high intensity and how hard that can be and the dangers of obviously training at high intensity whilst wearing a mask, that kind of thing. And we had, you know, our eight foot square boxes and once everyone was inside their box, they were free to take their mask off. You know, the gym's big and it's ventilated, that kind of thing. Why was that all of a sudden, you know, not okay? And at what point is that going to be okay again? And- That's a really good question. I think at the time there was less data available about what was actually going on in gyms. And so... Well, you, still- you know, the, the fear was that, you know, that indoor activities were dangerous, and so we needed to move outdoors. And all indoor facilities were kind of lumped together, whether it was a gym, a hairdresser, right. bar, you know, whatever it is. And so we were all forced outside. I think that, you know, there's a fair amount of data now. They've looked at gyms in particular that um, are strict about social distancing protocols and cleanliness protocols and such. And there's a very low incidence of transmission in, in gyms that are following the rules. Yeah, we so we we were looking at this thing from Ursa yesterday that Ursa came out with. I'm just going to put it up real quick because this was uh, a study that was done recently on uh, assessing the risk basically in gyms, um, and the infection rate in gyms is point zero zero two three percent. That's that's assessing forty nine point four million member check ins over the last three months. Which obviously is a huge amount of people and an incredibly low infection rate. And at the same time, um, one in five Americans now experience mental health issues. uh, And we are at 40% higher risk of developing cardiovascular metabolic diseases than the the general population. Um, And only 23% of adults are hitting the federal physical activity guidelines for adults according to the CDC. So we've got this really strange dilemma where it's like, you're not allowed to go to the gym because it's not safe, 
but not going to the gym is now causing all these other problems when the truth of how risky training in a gym is, is extreme, like the danger is are extremely low statistically. So the fact that we are still closed, knowing this information obviously is hugely frustrating because our, our goal and our mission obviously is to get people metabolically healthy, um, to, 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 you know, be the gift of, of, of health and fitness. Um, that is our purpose. Um, so. And I think government you know, recognizes that and they know that gyms aren't specifically an issue, but what they basically said is it's not, it's not specifically one industry or another that's causing the problem. It's just that we want to keep people in at home. So any, any excuse people have to go out of the house, we're just going to try to take that away. Which is just bananas at this point. It kind of is. Yes. I mean, particularly since the overwhelming majority of people are getting sick at home, getting sick at home. Yeah. yeah I have a, a friend at work. Um, who just recently lost two first-degree relatives to COVID mm. because of a family reunion that they had over the holidays indoors. Yeah. Because they're not allowed to go anywhere else, you know, and had they been allowed to meet in a park or in a restaurant that was taking appropriate precautions, you know, it, they, they honestly would probably have been safer. Yeah, I think th- th- this has been an ongoing trend and an ongoing problem. It's like once you stop allowing people to do anything like outside the homes, of course, they're natural the natural tendency is just to invite everybody to their home. So now inside becomes... And you're hanging out in the kitchen. Yep. And you're hanging out in the kitchen. Yep. And, you know, grandma and granddad are there. And, you know, aunties and uncles are there. You know, big families are there getting together. And, of course, for multiple hours, you know, I think statistically the longer you are in in that confined area, um, you know, not not having any kind of social distance really and probably low ceilings and, and low mm-hmm. ventilation, of course, the risk goes up and up and up. But, you know, that's been the message. And yes, I know they've been saying, you know, avoid large family gatherings and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that kind of thing. But when you don't allow people to go out, people are going to naturally do that because what do you want people to do? Just be right. alone all the time in their house? Like, can't you know, expect people to do that. It's possible to, to contract COVID just passing somebody in a hallway. But the reality is the majority of people who catch COVID from another person are face-to-face with them for unmasked for at least yeah. 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you avoid that, like obviously in the gym, we're not in each other's face for 15 minutes. It, you know, when we were, um, doing the social distancing protocols, everybody was spaced 10 feet apart or they were masked. Mm. Um, and so if you go back to that kind of thing, it should be, it should be pretty safe. And so do you think, in your, you know, medical opinion, do you think gyms are safe to train in? Yeah. I'd train here and, you know, I would train here indoors. I feel perfectly safe doing it. And do you think, you know, and again, we, we have kind of like the privilege of being being a larger facility and not being a, uh, you know, a big chain commercial gym. So we can control the flux somewhat. Um, do you think those gyms are going to have more of a problem? The ones that, you know, are like bigger chain gyms that have like a bigger flow? Or do you think at this point it doesn't really make any difference? They obviously have more cleanliness issues because they can't clean, you know, make sure that their equipment is cleaned after every use like we basically do. But the reality is that once... Everyone over really the age of 55 has been offered a vaccine and everyone pre-existing conditions, you know, if you have respiratory illness, if you have an autoimmune disease, if you're on an immunosuppressant medication for any reason, and once those people have been vaccinated and you're talking about the younger people who really aren't at risk, personal risk from getting COVID, they're really the risk is that they transmit it to a vulnerable person. Once those vulnerable people have been vaccinated, there isn't going to be a whole lot of reason to keep, oh, there's no reason right? yeah. to keep, a, yeah, to keep the lockdowns going. Statistically, and of course there are always outliers but statistically, the amount of like younger people that get very sick from from, right. from COVID are a lot lower. Um, 
What do you think about, obviously, there's a lot of talk now about, you know, different strains of the virus coming in and whether, whether or not these vaccines are going to be successful for those new strains. What's, what's, the, what's the truth there? What? I think the press is being very irresponsible about the way they report it. Vaccines, um, viruses mutate all the time. And right. the, the mutation rate is going to increase as more of the world population becomes exposed to COVID just because it's multiplying faster. Mm. It's going to get a lot worse worldwide before it gets better because, you know, obviously the, it's, it's only a handful of countries right now that are vaccinating their populations. There's a long way to go before the world is, before the world is vaccinated. And all those strains will make it back here. Um, the reality of, of the vaccines, though, is that what the vaccine really does is, is induce your body to create a, a piece of that spike protein that we all, you know, see pictures of on the surface of the coronavirus. Yeah. And then our, our bodies recognize that as foreign and mount an immune response to that little piece of foreign protein. Mm. And there are many antigenic sites on that little piece of protein. We don't, mount a monoclonal antibody response. We mount a polyclonal antibody response. We make very many different antibodies to that piece of spike protein. And on top of that, we develop something called a T-cell response, cellular immunity, which is longer-term immunity as well. And yes, there will be um, mutations that change one of or two or three of those antigenic sites, and some of the antibodies that we produce will no longer work, but there are many others. And it is theoretically possible that a mutation may change the configuration of the spike protein enough to render the whole thing, you know, the whole vaccine ineffectual, but it's highly unlikely. So what's going to happen for the next several years is there'll be booster shots that will, you know, account for the fact that, you know, that, you know, these mutations have happened and give you a, a newer version of the spike protein and you'll mount new antibodies to it. And so I would expect that for the next... And is that Several years of the booster shots. The flu jab that you have to get the flu jab every. Is that di- a different thing, or is that very similar? It's similar, similar. Right. You know, the flu the flu changes every year as well. And the, basically, what happens with the flu is they look at, you know, Australia is roughly six months ahead of us. It's winter there when it's summer here, and so they look at the flu strains that were going around Australia in April, and that's what they vaccinate us against in September, and then sort of vice versa. What do you think about? So New Zealand, I know, dealt with it. You know, very very quickly and very effectively as in they were able to lock it down and stop letting people into the country and people were quarantined very quickly if they did go into the country and of course the cases just basically went away but in the end the virus will get there like you can't lock a country down forever uh, and now i heard you know in the news yesterday that there were some cases coming up there and of course the virus will spread because the virus is going to do what a virus is going to do uh, i'm not sure where they are in the vaccination process but eventually like you were saying everybody's going to have to get vaccinated at some point because the virus will eventually get there. Um, I'm not sure the situation in Australia is in terms of vaccinations. Similar. Similar. Right. They've, they've managed to control it by basically locking down the country. But the virus is still going to get there. Did, did they, have they started vaccinating people? I have there? no idea right. where they are. That's going to be but you can't travel to Australia right now. Yeah. So. But eventually people will. We'll see. You know, I think their intent is to keep it pretty much locked down until their population is vaccinated. And there's small enough countries right. to do that's that. Right. That's what I mean. But yeah, I guess it's like how quickly they can get everybody vaccinated before. I mean, I, I know clients that have, I mean, I have clients that have gone there on business and they have a very strict, obviously, quarantine and testing process. Um, but, you know, it's wrong to think that, you know, the virus is just going to go away because there are no cases. The virus will eventually get there because yes. like I said a virus is going to do what a virus is going to do. So the vaccination is going to have to happen at some point. So I just hope they 
kind of. And these companies are dramatically ramping up their vaccine right. production. And Exponentially, at, right? Yeah. yeah, and at the same time, you know, they're they're subcontracting with other drug manufacturers to produce it, um, and at the same time, they're ramping up, uh, you know, for booster shots as well. Because I know, next I know fall. in the UK, because I know my parents are going through this, that they have like three months between vaccinations because they say that after the first dose, you're already what seventy percent vaccinated, sixty five or seventy five. And then they're waiting for the next one. And the idea is that you try and get everybody the first one so that everybody's 75%. Exactly. Which seems to be smart to some degree. Um, That's what will happen here with the Pfizer, AstraZeneca. Probably the Pfizer one will be approved here. It's, it's less efficacious than it's a one-dose shot. Pfizer? Pfizer's already been. Oh, not the Pfizer. I'm sorry. Uh, Johnson and Johnson one. The Johnson and Johnson. Um, oh, that's a one shot. It's a one, right now. It's it's being you know administered as a one shot vaccine, but it's as a one shot vaccine. It's basically as efficacious as one dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. Do you ever? And I, this is a little like conspiratorial, obviously, but you know, a lot of these drug companies have had you know a history of somewhat irresponsible behavior. Let's say, have you ever had any kind of like? hesitation or concern over the vaccines or anything like that or not really yeah i mean these vaccines are different in that they're actually giving you a a synthesized version of genetic material the pfizer and the and the current ones the pfizer and moderna are a little bit of messenger rna that basically codes for protein Mm. the astrazeneca and the johnson and johnson are actually giving you a piece of dna that codes for the messenger rna that codes for the protein and the idea of that is you get a you know, bigger bang for your buck because every strand of DNA will produce multiple strands of messenger RNA and every strand of messenger RNA will produce multiple strands of protein. You just get sort of an amplified effect. But it is kind of weird to think that you're injecting genetic material into your body. Um, I did some research about it because it kind of freaked me out before mm. I had the shot. And uh, there's no way for your body to replicate this synthetic fragment of DNA because it really isn't a chromosome. It's just a little fragment and it doesn't you know, it, it basically lasts in your body for about 48 hours. So, and same thing with the messenger RNA. When when they inject it, basically it, it's gone in 48 hours. All the spike protein you're going to make is made in 48 hours. And after that, it's just the matter of your immune system mounting response to that foreign protein. So have you, at the hospital, have you seen any bad like reactions to the vaccine, any of the vaccines? Um, people get sick. I got very sick with the second vaccine. I mean, it felt like the flu. It felt like, you know, I was just sort of down for a day, mostly just body aches fever, chills. I think I got the shot at around nine o'clock in the morning. And around midnight that night, I just started to feel terrible. I woke up, I couldn't sleep, everything hurt and um, just really fatigued and tired. But by mid afternoon, the next day, I was pretty much back to normal. Mm. It was short lived, but it was kind of intense. I was surprised. But you haven't had at the hospital any like major issues, no. major problems? No, but no, I'd no, say no. one in 10 people have a reaction like mine. Mm. I just get sick for a day. And there's no, there's no GPS tracking system in the vaccine. <laughs> Can you confirm that for me? Little uh, little <laughs> microchip. <laughs> um, so, again, back to the same question. You think we will open at twenty five percent? If you were to like put a date on it, would you say March? Would you say middle of March, late March, March, another month? I would guess. You heard it here first, guys. Middle of March, because <laughs> um, right now, obviously, you know, we are still operating outside for our for our classes, and it has. I mean. It's been a blessing for us that how how receptive to our community has been and how hardworking and how you know how how willing they've been to just adapt and to support us. But at the same time, you know, we are a company that is trying to be 
uh, trying to operate at a very high standard um, and trying to provide our members with the quality of service that they would expect for the price that they're paying. And it's getting to the point now where, you know, we really want to provide a better product and a better, and a better service uh, before, you know, because everyone has goodwill uh, and everyone, like I said, has been very supportive, but it will get to a point where people are like, you know what, I just, I just can't do this. Like, well, it's monotonous. It's, it's monotonous. Like it, it, it does get tiring after a while. So, you know, I feel we are really just at the stage now where we, 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 we are ready and we, we have to just move back. It's inside. very frustrating. We have 22,000 square feet of it's so glorious facility yeah. and, and great equipment and we can't use any of it. Yeah. Wonderful trainers who are just sitting at home waiting. Yeah. For- it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little crazy. So I'm, I'm, I hope you're right. Uh, I'm hoping March and April are going to be at 25% <laughs> at 25%. But again, I think, you know, that, that, that will actually be okay for us. Um, especially if we go back to the same protocols, you know, we had before with, you know, the eight foot square boxes and that, that kind of stuff and just keeping everybody like socially distanced and that kind of thing. And I hope, you know, people feel safe. I, I just wonder, do you think after this year, there are going to be people that have been filled with so much fear that they're just not going to be, Oh, and undoubtedly. And there are a yeah. lot of people that are refusing the vaccine. And a surprising number of healthcare workers are refusing the vaccine, some of the people that I work with. And it's shocking when we know so many people who have gotten sick and died from right. from COVID that people would still refuse it. But people are refusing it. And right now the statistics are that roughly a third of adult Americans are saying that they don't want to be vaccinated. And roughly 20% of healthcare workers. Are they... For the healthcare workers, is that because they're, they're, I mean, presumably they're not anti-vaxxers. They're just like, we just don't trust this vaccine. Some of them are anti-vaxxers. Some of them, yeah, you know, I think their attitude is I'm young and this is new and I'm going to wait and see what, you know, if if there are sort of long-term negative consequences of vaccination. And are there any, like, conditions at the hospital where if you don't get it, you're not allowed to come back to work or is they not yet, not yet, because it's so new. I don't think they want to sort of force it on people, but we're we're required to get a flu shot every year. So I would imagine right. that by next year, we're probably going to be obligated to be vaccinated for COVID as well. I mean, it doesn't make sense to be vaccinated for the flu and not for COVID. So 100%. that's coming. They just haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I mean, that's just 20% of healthcare workers. It's going to be interesting to see how that statistic looks, you know, across the globe. Like how many people are just going to say... Well, and what's going to be required that you have it, you know, are you going to have to have it to fly? Right. You're going to have to have it to go to a concert or a football game. Are you going to have to have it to um, go to a restaurant? You know, nobody really knows. I mean, it feels so strange, but I guess, you know, like you've told me before, like, you know, when you go to certain countries, you have to get certain jabs, you know, anyway. So I guess in terms of that perspective, it doesn't seem like a huge leap. But again, I guess it's because it's just so new and so quick and Mm -hmm. just... And very different. It's a very, very different, different vaccine. And it's just been such such a crazy year of, of you know fear and like disbelief and and trust. Like I think there's a lot of trust issues now, yeah. and, and rightly so. Yeah, you know, because we, we, we've been lied to a bunch of times. Yeah, lied well, it to. feels like we've been lied to a, a bunch of times. Uh, misled. By, mis- misled, misled say, by, by government authorities. Let's over. say the government has misled us. <laughs> they don't lie. Uh, in, they to mislead some, us to, to some exactly. degree. I'm sure by accident. <clears throat> Um, but, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that pans out and how many people are just like going to be resistant to it. 
Um, it's also going to be interesting to see how it pans out politically because obviously, you know, California is losing population. Businesses are closing. People are leaving the state. There's a recall on of the governor, which is in large part because of his handling of COVID. And so there, you know, th- that part of it is in- interesting as well. It is. And, and I tell you, like being in LA right now and seeing what's happening, you know, to the social fabric here and seeing, you know, the, the, the growth of the, of the homeless population and the increasing loss of jobs and obviously business are being put out of business, uh, which is creating more, you know, economic hardship uh, slash mental health issues slash homelessness. Um, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And yet, you know, the, the city and the government seem to work in the opposite direction. They're just creating more and more of this problem. And of course, of course, the solution is to create better housing. But how much better a- housing can you create? You just cre- keep creating better housing whilst the population grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. More and more people come reliant on the state because they can't help themselves anymore. They, they've got no jobs. They can't support themselves. You know, it, it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger problem. So, you know, I'm not surprised at all that the Newsom's being uh, recalled. Uh, and I, I'll be surprised if something similar doesn't happen to Garcetti soon, to be honest. I mean, how long can this go on for in this? Because didn't, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of new to this city, you know, relatively, but didn't Garcetti get in on the premise of he was going to help the homeless the situation homeless, yes. and, and make it better? Yes. But it's got exponentially worse in the, in, in the time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't blame COVID. I mean, that, that's not his his fault. But you know, this this is just whole situation has been handled so yeah. so poorly. You can't do a trillion dollars in GDP during a pandemic and still have this problem. <laughs> exactly. You still can't make that much money and just not have the government work to how it's right. supposed to work. There's something wrong. There's something very very <laughs> wrong. You know, and I think from a healthcare perspective, that's so discouraging about all this is how much of it is political and how much COVID has been politicized by you know people on all sides of the. Yeah, political spectrum, but it's not helpful. No, because healthcare workers are there to make people healthy. That's why, the, I mean, you're passionate about getting people healthy, right? That's why you're there. That's why you do what you do. But like you said, the whole thing has been so politicized that it like, you know, creates a whole different yeah. thing, a whole different <laughs> you know, animal. It's just well, and it makes people with. distrustful of what, what the government right. is saying. Very distrustful. Yeah. People just don't, people just don't believe government anymore or believe like, I mean, I, I, that thing I always have weeks. to say, I always have to put leadership these days in, in quotation marks because there is no lead, leadership. There's no leading from the front from these people. There really isn't. I mean, I, when you, when you study like Native American, uh, culture and history and you, you read that, you know, leaders were elevated because they were the best among us. You know, when you put that, that phrase, the best among us on the leaders that we see in, <laughs> whether on a local level or a state level or, you know, a government level. It's, it's kind of laughable. These people are the best among us. It's just like, oh my God. In the, you know, the statement that came out a couple of weeks ago where, you know, we have these tier, this tier system based on a bunch of statistics kept by the state and they're not going to release the right. data of how they calculate the. <laughs> right. Because you're not smart enough to understand it. You're not smart it. enough to understand it. And they actually come out and say that. And then they wonder why there's a recall. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just mind blowing. Well, Kate, thank you so much for the information. I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, we hope you guys are ready to come back to the gym. Um, obviously, we totally understand if you're not. It's 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 a personal choice at this point. Um, but we we are going to do everything we can to keep you guys uh, safe and, and feel safe and um, and get you guys fit and healthy and strong, which is, of course, our mission. And, of course, I'll be consulting with, with Kate throughout this, this whole process and, and, and getting her 
you know, her valuable opinion on you know how we should be doing things uh, in order to keep uh, you know keep the gym and keep our community safe, and that's that's what we will do. But yeah, we hope you are ready, and um, we hope 2021 is going <laughs> to eventually come back to some some sense uh, of normalcy. But from what Kate's been saying, uh, there is cause for hope. Um, I, I think there is you know light on the horizon, at least in terms of um, you know the vaccinations and then the. The numbers in California are coming down uh, at, a, at a very rapid rate. So it, it, it sounds as if there is certainly cause for hope. Right, Kate? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we convinced you. All right, guys, that is it for today. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Thank you much, uh, so much, Kate, for, for joining us. Uh, your information and, and, and knowledge on this stuff is invaluable to us. And, uh, yeah, we will see you soon, guys. Take care out there.